Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Greetings, my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth and justice, believers in peace, freedom and the American way. Tom Harbin here with you. I wanted to get into health care in this hour, taking a step back from the craziness going on with Trump and what's going on. You know, this this tragic betrayal of American values and American allies in Syria. We had a Green Beret uh, go to the press and say we are ashamed. But beyond that, Trump is also betraying Americans and allowing Americans to die. And it's not just Trump. It's Trump and the entire Republican Party. And I say this uh, without hyperbole. This is not an exaggeration. I, I refer you to a, a piece from uh, MSN, Microsoft Network. MSN.com, the headline, the Medicaid experiment in Arkansas, thousands lost coverage, few gained jobs. What happened was in Arkansas, Governor Asa Hutchinson, the Republican, they have a Republican-controlled legislature as well. Uh, they passed this law that said that if you're on Medicaid, now Medicaid is health care for basically low-income people. There's two kinds of Medicaid. There is the basic Medicaid, which is typically for people who make up to two or $3,000 a year. I mean, truly destitute people qualify for Medicaid in pretty much all the states. And then there's the Medicaid expansion that came along with Obamacare, which is for people who make between two or $3,000 and up to, you know, between 15 and $18,000, depending on the state, who are working but are so poor that they can't afford health insurance and their job doesn't provide it. And Arkansas, I don't recall if they had actually expanded Medicaid or not. I think not. I think this is for the very low income. But in any case, what, what Arkansas did is they passed this law that said that if you are on Medicaid, you must every three months prove to the state that you are working at least 80 hours a month. And that if you're not working 80 hours a month, you are doing 80 hours a month of community service through an accredited agency. Now, the way you prove this to the state is you log on to a state website, create an account for yourself, and then upload proof that you have done these things. And the problem is that the state website doesn't work particularly well. 
it's often down for maintenance. And uh, what this does is it causes people to just get kicked off Medicaid, number one. And number two, a lot of people are so disabled that they, cannot, they can neither work nor do the 80 hours a week of community service, if they could even find the opportunity to do it, particularly in rural areas. And so, you know, they're really screwed. The article, this is by uh, Arian Campo Flores and Stephanie Armour, starts out with a story. With the help of Medicaid, Stanley Ellis got two hip replacement surgeries and other care to treat a condition that causes bone tissue to die. But earlier this year, after an emergency ambulance trip to a hospital here for splitting pain in his shoulder and head, a nurse delivered upsetting news. He had lost his coverage due to this new state work requirement rule. Mr. Ellis, a 42-year-old former diesel mechanic who thought he was exempt from the requirement because he's legally disabled, said, I was hurting so bad I couldn't even react. And then the article goes on to point out Mr. Ellis is one of more than 18,000 people. Now just imagine how many families are impacted by that. That's, that's, that's you know, probably a couple hundred thousand families. And this is just in Arkansas. And other red states want to do this. Arkansas was the experiment. They were going to prove that it works, right? Mr. Ellis is one of more than 18,000 people who were cut from Medicaid rolls after Arkansas embarked on a closely watched experiment in June of last year when it became the only state to fully implement a work requirement for program recipients. And they say the outcome in Arkansas could help shape the future of Medicaid, which now covers, by the way, one in seven American adults. That's how deep poverty is in the United States. One in seven American adults now gets their health care paid for via Medicaid, which is only available to basically people in the bottom half of what is considered poverty in the United States. Asa Hutchinson, as I, as I mentioned, the Republican governor, said this was just a wonderful thing. The state spent $26 million not healing people, not paying for hospital bills, but putting this program into place. And then they spent an additional $24 million between June of 2017 and December 2018. They say that the whole point of the program is to get people into jobs, but they never set up any mechanism to measure how many people got jobs. Literally, I mean, here's the argument. The state still doesn't know how many recipients gained employment as a result of the work requirement because it never set up a system to track whether people subject to it had found jobs. It's called Arkansas Works is the name of the program, and most of the recipients were already working, but a large number of them can't get on because the website's so hard to uh, hear. Again, from the article, the online portal to submit activity hours was difficult to navigate. Some beneficiaries don't have computers or a way to report the information online. Those needing assistance could call a helpline, but the helpline, you sit on hold for hours at a time. In February, more than 80% of the Arkansas work enrollees required to report activities to the state didn't do so. And as a result of that, 18,164 people were kicked off Medicaid. If anybody got a job out of this thing, who knows? So the flip side of this is what Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders are proposing, which is that everybody in this country gets Medicare or a new improved version of Medicare, you know, without the privatized pieces and without the 20% hole in it and all that kind of stuff. And Emmanuel Says and Gabriel Zuckman, who are economists at the University of California, Berkeley, and have advised both the Warren and the Sanders campaigns, have a new book out. And they have pointed out that the wealthiest 400 Americans pay a lower tax rate than you do, even if you're poor. 
right? Even if you're in the bottom 50% of American income earners, even if you're in the bottom 10% of American income earners, you're actually paying a higher tax when you figure the payroll tax, which everybody under making under 120,000 bucks a year pays, when you figure local property taxes, state taxes, uh, fees, all the kinds of taxes that low income people pay, they're paying an average of around 23%, 25%, excuse me, the bottom 10% of Americans pay 25.6% of their total income in taxes. The 400 richest families in America pay 23%. They pay 3% less than the poorest Americans do. They say this is the tax system of a plutocracy. And I'll get into the details after the break, but the bottom line here, if we want to have Medicare for all, we don't, we don't need to tax average working people. We need to roll back not just the Trump tax cuts and the Bush tax cuts. We need to roll back the Reagan tax cuts, and there'll be more than enough money to provide Medicare for all to everybody. And, you know, the rich people can pay for it for the whole country and the corporations as well. I mean, you know, they've, they've got this massive tax break, too. So we were talking about health care and how a... You know, Medicaid, and interestingly, I, I was just during the break talking with a fellow who was saying he's been on Medicaid for a couple of years, he's disabled, and it covers absolutely everything, no, no deductibles or anything, and it's working wonderful. And I'm thinking, you know, Medicare has had so many holes drilled in it. You know, it, had, it has that 20% carve-out so that you have to have private insurance, you have to have Medigap insurance along with your Medicare, which is not particularly expensive, and it does, it is pretty good. Mine is great. I mean, I have no co-pays, nothing. I would never go with one of these so-called Medicare Advantage programs because then you, you've got annual out-of-pockets that can be ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars a year. I have none of that, just being on regular Medicare. But you know, Medicare—they've privatized almost a third of Medicare, and uh, you know, it's got all these holes drilled in it. Maybe we should be talking about Medicaid for all rather than Medicare for all, and expand the Medicaid program, which already exists in every state. You know, I don't know. You know, you don't have to be retired to be on Medicaid. A lot of the recipients of Medicaid are children. I believe as many as a quarter of all Medicaid recipients are children. So maybe it should be Medicaid for all. But that's a that's a conversation to have, you know, the next time Bernie calls in or, or you know, whatever uh, with those folks. But I was talking about how we are spending billions of dollars in health care and Medicaid here in, in Arkansas, you know, the Republicans I uh, have now successfully thrown 18,000 people off the Medicaid rolls. Some of those people are dying. Many of those people are disabled. People die when Republicans do these policy things. And they do them in part because, you know, they want to increase the profits of for-profit hospitals and pharmaceutical companies and whatnot. But I think more they do it because they're dancing to the ideology, this, uh, this Coke, Mercer, Adelson, right-wing libertarian billionaire worldview informed and animated by Ayn Rand with Atlas Shrugged and Fountainhead with her bizarre teenage fantasy books about rich people should rule, right? And unions are parasites and all this kind of stuff. But in any case, as I was saying, Emmanuel Says and Gabriel Zuckman have basically laid it out. You know, we'll cut your taxes, average working Americans, and we'll guarantee your health care. Ian Reifowitz for Daily Kos writes, how's that for a Democratic campaign pitch? And I think it's a pretty good one. Median household income and adjusted for inflation is actually lower right now, 2.3% lower 
than it was during the last year of Bill Clinton's presidency. But for the top 5% of households, it's up 13%. It's amazing. This was a GAO, General Accounting Office, federal government, looked at life expectancy. They started doing this in 1992. In 1992, they took a couple thousand people between 51 and 61 years old, and they just tracked them. They tracked them right up to 2014. And as of that year, the people in the top 20%, the wealthiest 20%, three quarters of them were still alive. People of the poorest 20%, fewer than half of them were still alive. So poverty kills. And one of the largest pieces of how poverty kills is lack of access to health care. Congresswoman Anna Eshoo, she is on the line with us, represents the 18th District of California as the chairwoman of the health subcommittee. ESHOO.house.gov is her website and her Twitter handle is Rep. Anna Eshoo. Representative Eshoo, welcome to the program. Thank you, Tom. It's a pleasure. Thanks so much for joining us. You're the chairwoman of the health subcommittee in the House. I'm curious your thoughts on what is being done right now to Medicare. I'm watching, you know, since 2005 when Bush came up with Medicare Part C, which is the ability to privatize essentially Medicare with these uh, Medicare Advantage accounts, and they're being promoted and Trump is loosening the rules around them, you know, as a way to encourage even more people to go with basically private health insurance, although they don't realize it because it has the name Medicare attached to it. What's going on with all this? Where are we at? Tom, we did legislation on that earlier this year. What I would call them are junk plans because they really cover so little. And I think that they are misleading. Now, the price tag and people always shop to get the best price is one thing, but the other is what you actually get for what you're paying. So I did an amendment to that bill requiring all of these, what I call junk plans, to say in bold print on the cover what the policy does not cover, which I think is really very important. Mm. But we're, we're moving on and taking up a very large, important bill to lower the price of prescription drugs. Today, this Secretary of Health and Human Services is banned from directly negotiating with drug companies, and we're going to change that. We have direct negotiations, and they've been in place for a long time with the VA, and this legislation will allow the Secretary to directly negotiate with the companies for Medicare, certainly Medicare Part D, because that's where so much money is, but all of the reforms that are in the legislation will not only apply to Medicare, but to all private insurance plans. Now, the bill was uh, has just been scored by the nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office, and it saves Medicare alone $345 billion over 10 years. Wow. So it's going to uh, stop drug companies from charging Americans more for the same drugs but sell less for other countries. Uh, uh, it's going to limit the out-of-pocket costs on prescri- uh, prescription drugs for Medicare beneficiaries. Uh, today, seniors pay up to $5,100 in out-of-pocket costs, even though they're enrolled in Medicare. They pay that much out of their own pockets, and some pay even more. So under this new plan, every senior will have their out-of-pocket costs capped 
at $2,000. That's a godsend. Yeah. That's a godsend for so many seniors. And very importantly, the legislation takes the savings and invests them in innovation and research for new cures and treatments. And um, NIH and FDA And we're also going to invest these savings in new Medicare coverage for vision, for hearing, and dental services, which are not covered in Medicare today. So uh, it's a very ambitious bill. Uh, In the VA, uh, through direct negotiations, the cost of drugs for our veterans is 40% less. So I'm very excited about it, and I think that it's a bill that is going to make a real tangible difference in the lives of people, and that's what we're elected to do. Yeah, and so you're doing, I'm, I'm excited doing quite well. About it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about the gun violence crisis. Most people don't. I, you know, you're on the on the health subcommittee, and, and a lot of people don't think of gun violence as a health problem. But I, I think it's a public health emergency if we've got forty thousand deaths a year from a single cause that's largely preventable. Uh, not to mention hundreds of thousands of injuries. I just held a hearing about a week and a half ago, a field hearing in Chicago right in the south side of Chicago, the epicenter of where there is so much gun violence. And it was really a rather historic hearing because it's the first time that we've had a hearing on gun violence as an epidemic, a public health issue and challenge. And so we received testimony from physicians, from victims, from city officials about how to treat gun violence for what it is, as you said, an epidemic. 96 Americans are killed by guns every day, every day. Now, the House has already provided $50 million for gun violence research at the CDC and the NIH. One of the first bills that the new majority passed It was the Bipartisan Background Checks Act. That requires universal background checks for all gun sales, and it closes the loopholes when guns are bought online and at gun shows. And it's a very important bill. It passed the House. It's sitting in the majority leader, Mitch McConnell's, I guess, bottom drawer in his desk. But uh, I think that the advocacy of the American people and that kind of pressure on the majority leader hopefully will lead to his taking it up because this is bipartisan, it is an epidemic in our country, and we can do something about it. That's great. Congresswoman Anna Eshoo of the 18th District of California at the House Subcommittee on Health. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Tom. It's great talking with you. Great getting to know you. You're doing just a marvelous job. Thank, Thank you. you so much. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Till last year, I'd never endorsed a weight loss product, but I decided to change that after reading about university research into a molecule in olive oil that regulates appetite. Louise convinced me there was a product worth sharing, and well, a year later, I have to say she was right. Although it's Friday, you know, the weekends can be a challenge. Maybe we'll have to use two pills. (laughs) Anyhow, the key to losing weight is getting your appetite and those pesky food cravings under control. Once you do that, the rest is easy. My producer, Sean, is now trying Ridgizone, too. Who doesn't want to lose a few extra pounds before the holidays? Sean says Ridgizone is making it easy for her to stick with her weight loss plan. Just one capsule with breakfast and forget it. Second one at dinner for days when you need a little, little extra help. 
Sean says, when you don't feel hungry, it's easier to make better choices, and she's right. The only ingredient in Ridgezone occurs naturally in the body and is completely non-stimulant, and that really appealed to all of us. Listen, if you're looking to lose weight this season, I strongly suggest you give non-prescription Ridgezone a try. Use the promo code TOM, T-H-O-M, and get up to 65% off plus free shipping. Go to Ridgezone.com. It's R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E.com. R-I-D-U-Zone.com. Ridgezone.com. The promo code is TOM, T-H-O-M, Ridgezone.com. Patrick in Long Island, New York. Hey, Patrick, what's on your mind today? Now, I'm on Medicaid myself, and if any type of requirement like that was brought forth to me with the uh, 80 hours or whatever, blah, 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 I would physically and not be able to perform that. Right. And that's why I get the Medicaid. And the Medicaid care is fantastic. I get quarterly checkups. I have in-office surgery, and I don't get a bill. That's great. And I can't afford the bill, you know. I get about $800 a month to live on. Maybe know? instead of calling it Medicare for all, we should call it Medicaid for all, because Medicaid has not been partially privatized the way Medicare has. And I hate to say it, but our neighbors to the north seem to be very happy, polite, well-adjusted people, and their first priority (laughs) is to take care of your health. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And and Tommy Douglas, the guy who was the premier of Saskatchewan, I believe, back in the day, in the 50s or 60s, was the guy who first did single-payer health care in that province. And then it's spread across Canada. It's, you know, there's federal support for it, but it's actually administered by the individual states. And each program is slightly different, and their ID cards are slightly different, which is how Bernie on this program was suggesting Medicare for All should be done back, you know, 10 years ago. I don't know, you know, exactly. I think now he's seen more of a national program. But the Canadians love it. I mean, Tommy Douglas is revered. He's one of the most respect he's dead now but uh, he's Kiefer sutherland's grandfather i believe or oh really that's yeah. interesting thanks a lot for the call sue in portland hey sue what's on your mind today hi tom um, medicaid for all instead of medicare for all mm-hmm. and that's something i've been saying for a year or so because of course my only experience is here in oregon but medicaid is a much simpler you have to kind of be under an hmo but it's not like once you hit 65 and you go on Medicare and then you have Medicaid as a backup, there's like all these different uh, spend down things and donut holes and all the kind right. of stuff that go with it. Right. Medicaid is just simple. I mean, you know, you have to get on it and apply and everything, but it's it's a much smoother deal trying to get things done. It is. You know? It also pays for long-term elder care. The problem is you have to bankrupt yourself first, but if we had Medicaid for all, of course, that would go away. So, you know. Yeah, it would free up a lot of people to be able to do things other in their life besides, you know, being afraid to get a part-time job or something because they're going to lose part of their Medicaid or, or whatever. It's so necessary right now, but I think it's a much better system than the Medicare, which is Right. very convoluted. Which, and really, which the Republicans are doing everything they can to yeah. destroy, I mean, aggressively. And these yeah. corporations, of course, are yeah. making a fortune on it, which is why they're able to buy television advertising. Whenever you see a television ad for a Medicare Advantage program, yeah. ask yourself, yeah. where the hell did they get the money to pay for that ad? They got it by telling somebody, oh, we're, sorry, we're not actually going to yeah. pay for your care, or we're going to kick you off exactly. the program because you just got sick. Sue, thank you. Very, very well said. Connie in uh, Denver, Colorado. Hey, Connie, what's on your mind today? I would like to support Bernie in connecting our health 
to our dental insurance. Mm-hmm. I had I was identified as having cancer of the mouth, and my palate was removed. But the dentist could not treat you for cancer. So my dentist called Kaiser and had them identify and do the biopsy for me, and the treatment was through Kaiser. So my dental needs to be connected. Right. So that way you could get it paid for. I, you know, but you're right. It's not so much to pay for, it's to have a continuity of treatment. Oh, that's important too. Yeah, all of that. Connie, thank you for pointing that out. Your own personal story, I mean, that's compelling. And the progressives who are promoting, expanding Medicare and making Medicare work even better and let's add dental to it and let's add eyeglasses to it and let's add hearing to it. These are things that become particularly more important too as you age. So, you know, I I think it's just a a simple good idea, particularly if we're going to eventually, you know, over a period of a couple of years, Bernie's plan is four years, and it's kind of the gold standard now, extend that to everybody in the country. So, you know, let's start doing it. Kathy in Minneapolis. Hey, Kathy, what's up? Well, I'm a constituent of Amy Klobuchar, and Mm -hmm. I voted for Amy Klobuchar, as most of the people in Minnesota, because... Her father was a very well-loved columnist for decades in the uh, Star Tribune. And she's been a pretty good representative for Minneapolis. I mean, I I did a fundraiser at her house. I met her family. Well, she is. This is some years ago. She's very nice. She's very nice. But I just have difficulty because, for example, when Obamacare was being debated, And I called her office and I said, I really support the public option. Can Senator Kolbuchar support the public option? But her staff said, yes, she does support the public option. You'll be able to choose whatever insurance company you want. Well, I'm sorry, that's not the public option. So now she's coming up and saying, I want the public option. She may have been one of the votes for the public option. What got the public option stripped out was Joe Lieberman. Joe Lieberman was the one who said that he would not vote for Obamacare, and they they needed that one extra vote to get it through the Senate. And he said he would not vote for it unless they took the public option out. I I believe all the other Democrats were in favor of that. I think it was Joe Lieberman who who really stabbed us in the back. She probably came through, but she's not, I mean, what she was telling me, and every time I call, I say, what is her position? And her staff says, well, she hasn't stated a position. She will do what's best for the people of Minnesota. And I'm saying, well, yeah, but, you know, the people of Minnesota, including me, are probably not going to go back and and verify all her votes. Yeah. Who are you supporting in the primary for president? I think Elizabeth Warren is the one, because Elizabeth Warren has been consistent. Well, Bernie has too. Yeah. But Elizabeth Warren has, I mean, she has the intellectual and the background. And I think, you know, she knows how to talk to those people, having taught 
Yeah, she's taught yeah. everything from special Harvard. needs kids to Harvard Law School. I mean, you know, she's she, she knows how to she knows how she to knows teach how to deal with those. Yeah, those, yeah, those, I'm with you, Kathy. I need to move along, but th you know, thank you for sharing your opinion and your perspective and and your stories. I appreciate it, Matthew in Chicago. Hey, Matthew, what's on your mind today? Yeah, hey Tom, I'm a teamster working for a major delivery company. Make about a hundred thousand dollars a year, and our insurance is covered in full, paid for. We're under contract. So my question is, you know, Medicare for all, if my taxes go up, but the company, I'm not getting any benefit out of it. Right. You know, so. That's why Elizabeth Warren said she will not sign a bill that increases costs for average working Americans. If the cost of Medicare for all, you are actually paying into Medicare right now, Matthew. That's part of the FICA tax that they take out of your taxes. Right. So right. it's arguable, and in your case, maybe you could argue successfully that it's not the case, but that for most people, that particularly with smaller businesses, that even though their cost of health insurance may be invisible, if they've got 100% payment for health insurance, which is not no longer the norm, it's you know fewer than half of American employees who have health insurance have 100% coverage. But you know if that's the right. case, you could argue that if you've got to pay 100 or 200 bucks a month, like in Canada, to subscribe to Medicare, that that's going to be an additional cost for you. And that if your company no longer has to pay for your health insurance, they're simply going to give that money to the executives rather than passing it along to you, so you probably won't see it. And there may be some truth to that. But the question, the larger question, I think, is if we can put together a system where everybody in the country is covered, where your copays go away, where your deductibles go away, where your vision is covered, your dental is covered, mental health is covered, America becomes a safer place to live for all of us, where we're no longer having 30, 40,000 people die every year directly because they don't have access to health insurance, you know, some way to pay to help for their health care. You have another couple hundred thousand people a year who are dying prematurely. They can't afford their medication. They're not taking their medication right, particularly diabetics or even people with cancer. We're hearing these stories. Yeah. They're cutting back on their chemo. And things. It definitely makes you know, sense. The Most whole country us. is healthier, and it's costing even those of us who are making under 100 grand a year, just kind of bad, you know working people, it's costing us a little bit more. It seems to me like it's a good thing. Yeah, but, I mean, it's costing us more. We do make a decent living, but we're still, most of us, living check to check. Yeah, Even no, I get it. I get it. Whether, whether people are making the, 20 grand the, or, or they're making 100 grand, people tend to, to adjust their expenses to their income. That's the nature of it. So, But this discussion really is just beginning. I mean, it's literally just beginning. So, you know, let's, let's see where this goes. Thanks for the call. Carolyn, Manesson, Pennsylvania. Hey, Carol, what's up? Hey, Tom. How are you doing? I'm well. Hope you are too. Good. Oh, well, I miss being on your comment page on Facebook. My computer is still down. So let me say hi to everybody there. Okay. And tell them the reports of my death are greatly exaggerated. Okay. I'm still alive and watching. Yeah. Um, I got locked uh, out of my, my personal Facebook account last week, and I'm not sure why. It keeps asking me to upload a picture of my ID, and every time I do it, it says, please do it again. And it's just uh, that's it's weird. just what happened to me. I put my driver's license in and everything. I had the very same yeah, experience. So I, I still can't. I can't get back. Yeah, yeah, same here. And this is just for my own little to... personal account that's you know closed, and all it is is my kids and you know a few few yeah, relatives. I mean yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's totally weird. Yeah. I don't know what it is uh, weird. maybe well, Facebook I'm, is I'm purging the liberals alone. or something. <laughs> Yeah. Really? Well, I thought maybe I'd been hacked or something. I don't know. Yeah, I've, that was But anyway, hi. Okay, my take was, <clears throat> frankly, the one that I think won 
or at least to me, was the most appealing uh, was Pete Buttigieg. I really like Pete Buttigieg. There's something very calming and eloquent about him. And I find that a very nice change from the tremendous chaos and anger and hate that we hear spewing at us every day from Trump. Yeah. But, you know, the problem with Pete Buttigieg is I, he's not for Medicare for all, and I am. So, mm. But well, having said people that, change their I, policies I really... policies over time in response to the wins. Do you really think that he has a chance of being at the top of the ticket? I mean, I could see him as VP. I could see him maybe four years from now at the top of the ticket. But he's the mayor yeah. of a small town. I mean, it's, it's amazing he's gotten as far as he has. And I'm it guessing is. that he's getting an enormous amount of support from the very wealthy parts of the gay community. But, I'm sure. But, I'm sure. You know, he also has appeal that goes way, obviously, way beyond that. And yet again, yeah. he's so young and so inexperienced. It's it's. Right. I don't know. Well, my ideal ticket would be Warren Buttigieg. Mm-hmm. I think that it would be so nice to have a VP who is a veteran, yeah. who is a Rhodes Scholar, yep. who speaks all these languages. I mean, he would be an amazing vice president. I think that would be a great but, ticket. Uh, I, think a, you know, Warren. I think a Warren-Harris ticket or a Warren-Booker ticket would work, too. Yes, definitely. And and as I said to uh, everyone who has ever asked, I have a, a neighbor next door who turned 100 in March. Oh, my goodness. I would vote for her <laughs> against Trump. Instead of Trump. I mean, believe me, he's, this is an abomination in yeah. our in our, and uh, as far as what you said about Morning Joe, I share your frustration. Yeah. They really are pushing against Medicare for all. Oh, of course they are. I mean, you know, it's, it's the, the, the big pharmaceutical companies will take a hit, who are their biggest advertisers. I mean, their biggest, yeah. the biggest revenue source for MSNBC and CNN is Big Pharma, and Big Pharma will be fighting for their lives in a Medicare for All environment because suddenly they'll be up against a single payer who can negotiate drug prices with them. And they're making right. $600 billion a decade in extra profits, extra profits right. from the way that the current law is written. Carol, thank you for the call. Great talking with you, and I hope you get back on Facebook. <laughs> it is kind of weird. It is very weird, in fact. So have you checked out CBD oil yet? New Leaf Naturals has absolutely fabulous, really, really pure, high-potency, high-quality CBD oil. Louise and I have been using CBD oil for a while now and love it. Uh, CBD oil, of course, is non-intoxicating, doesn't get you high. Uh, it is, however, does, ha- however, have potent pain-relieving and anti-inflammatory properties. Um, the brand I trust the most, New Leaf Naturals. New Leaf Naturals. This is the highest quality CBD oil on the market. It's 100% organic, highly concentrated, no additional additives, grown in the USA. The only ingredient is hemp, so it's legal and it doesn't get you high, but it does work. And uh, and it remains in its most pure and simple form. Go to newleafnaturals.com. It's nuleafnaturals.com. Save 30% off and get free shipping in the U.S. when you use the code TOM, spelled T-H-O-M. Go to nuleafnaturals.com. For premium cannabinoid wellness, there's only one place, newleafnaturals.com nuleafnaturals.com code tom nuleafnaturals.com he's the official big cheese not just from wisconsin but he's the co-chair of the congressional progressive caucus congressman mark pocan with us and liz in los angeles listening on kpfk you're on the air with congressman pocan fred in new york city you're on the air with congressman pocan 
Yes, I want to go back to the, the Medicare for All question, and uh, Congressman Pocan alluded to it at the beginning here, which was that people have to understand that these high deductibles and co-pays will not be, they'll be erased. But I see a mismessaging, actually, on both sides of the medical. I think Senator Warren and Bernie Sanders are speaking as if they think that everyone understands that, yeah, your taxes will go up, but you won't have these unsustainable premiums, deductibles, and co-pays, and that's not has not been directly stated. I think they need to do that. That's a messaging problem. And in fact, on the in the centrist side, from uh, Senator Klochar and Joe Biden, they are also not saying what it means to, quote, fix the Affordable Care Act, other than not break it anymore. And they're also not saying, uh, Senator Klochar brought up the public option, which is as vague a term as is Medicare for all. What does that mean? Did, the messaging is not clear from any of these things. I, I think the people uh, that I watched the debate with were saying, uh, what does this all mean? How come they're not saying this directly? They need to say that. Paul, those are great observations, and um, we talked this morning, I think the Progressive Caucus is going to try to put out a little fact sheet on Medicare for All to address some of those questions, because uh, we agree there wasn't enough information put out there. I do think Bernie started to do it when he explained that your deductibles will go away, your co-pays will go away, and if anyone knows what theirs are, which I think they do... Many plans right now, you have a $5,000 deductible for your first you know, every year for health care. Well, if you don't have that $5,000, even if you wound up having to pay $10, $20 more, but you're saving $5,000, $10, $20 more a month, you, you can see the net difference. And somehow we need to, to have that. The problem is, Paul, we don't have a CBO score yet on it, and that would give us the most accurate information in that area. And without that, we can kind of talk a little more generally, and I think that's, again, what Bernie started to do last night, but I think people can kind of imagine at that point, if you didn't have to ever pay a deductible or a copay ever again, even if there was a small amount, although, again, I think they're trying to say it's not going to come from the average person, that there's plenty of other places you can raise revenue for, and, and they're right, uh, that still there's a net gain because you will never have those uh, deductibles or copays or other upfront costs again. Don in Harrington, Delaware, you're on the air with with uh, Congressman Pocan. Uh, yeah, uh, hi, Congressman. I'm piggybacking on what Paul said. Can you guys get and use an example of somebody making between fifty and seventy five thousand and say this is what they pay for Medicare taxes, whatever it is a month, and then say roughly this is what it, and this is how much they're paying for blue cross tom gets people calling up that they're paying anywhere from 4 to uh, 8000 dollars a month paying for blue cross at whatever for profit insurance and show it that way instead of just saying yes your 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 insurance is going to go medicare taxes are going to go up a bit but they need people need to see real numbers and i understand what you're saying when it gets scored but if you if you if you show what somebody's paying in medicare a month at a salary rate, and then what, what they're paying for for-profit insurance, and then compare it to what Bernie and Elizabeth, Medicare for All, that'll, that, that black and white is going to help people go, oh, yeah, I am going to uh, uh, pay less. And thank you for supporting the post office, uh, Congressman. Sure. Bye. No, thank you, Don. And, Don, you're, you're right on. I think the biggest challenge we have is without the CBO, which you really get, that's the, the best numbers you could possibly get. 
we have to be a little bit careful is that when we try to put numbers together, that if we're somehow wrong at some point when a CBO score, then that'll be used against us. But I think we can do what you're saying is, look, here's what the average person pays on a monthly plan. Here's what their deductible. Here's what their copay are. So here's your actual true cost of health care for a year for a family. And here's what it would be under Medicare for all savings. But then here's how you can fund it. And I think you could do some big buckets of that. But I think the important, most important part, down is what you just said. What people are paying for their health insurance, their deductibles, co-pays. When you add all that up, at least you could show the true cost of health care to a family. Yeah. And this will be a lot less. Yes. There you go. Dave in Indiana Hills, Colorado. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Today, I believe it's the start of the open season for Medicare, and I saw some um, expensive insurance ads on the Internet and on TV, you know, pushing this Medicare Advantage. And uh, I, like Tom, have my Medicare A and B, and I deal directly with Medicare as my uh, providers. And uh, this, this Medicare Part C puts a, an insurance company in between my health care and uh, Medicare. And it, can any uh, legislation be uh, introduced to, to get rid of this Part C? Yeah, I mean, it's a much longer conversation. We can probably have short, uh, Dave, but... You know, part of the issue that we've been trying to do, uh, there has been a bill introduced by Lloyd Doggett that would let you complete, compete, uh, um, negotiate directly for all prescription drugs to help get at some of that hole that exists in the law. Um, there's a, a provision of the law about whether or not you can do any negotiation that is part of uh, the pharmaceutical bill that's going to be coming through the House, depending on how the final version um, looks. Uh, but you're right. I mean, it's not a, a system that works cleanly and purely because of that. It would be nice to be able to directly address it. Um, I think what you'll probably see is the expense comes, uh, it's, it's a lot right now, and that's part of why you're not seeing something like that move forward. Although, uh, again, I would argue if we brought in the revenue for it in a different way, we did a Medicare for All system, you could totally get rid of that period and that would get rid of the inefficiency that currently exists. I, th I think what he was speaking of when he oh, was talking about Medicare Part C and Medicare Advantage is that in okay. 2005, uh, the Republicans wrote this legislation uh, that Bush signed into law that allowed private for-profit for insurance companies to come in and offer a product which they call Medicare, they call it Medicare Advantage, but it's not Medicare. Um, all of their expenses, they're guaranteed no losses. All of their expenses are backstopped by Medicare. They're paid for by Medicare, but they get to 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 you know take their 20% profit off the top, and then and then legislation and, and Trump just decided an executive order even expanding this uh, allows them to offer things that Medicare doesn't, like gym memberships and stuff like this. What most people don't realize when they're buying these Medicare Advantage programs is that they're actually leaving Medicare. They're now at the tender mercies of an insurance company. They may end up with some you know, in-program and out-of-program expenses. Um, there's typically an annual cap or an annual out-of-pocket that runs from five to $20,000. Right. It's almost never disclosed. People have no idea that that's coming at them. Um, and, but, but from 2005 to today, 
fully a quarter of all the people on Medicare have moved over to these privatized plans. And, uh, and then the privatized plans, once you start getting sick, they will dump you. And so you're back on Medicare. So, so it's, it's almost like with the public schools and, and, the, yeah. and the charter schools, you know, it's, it's like the sicker people are going to end up on Medicare. The whole plan here is to break Medicare. And also, to, if they can get half of Medicare privatized with Medicare Advantage, and then somebody says, hey, let's have Medicare for all, the insurance companies are like, yeah, cool, let's just do it. Like, you know, <laughs> can you speak to yeah. that? I, I, I'm quite sure that's not a part of the Medicare for All, right? So that we would, would Absolutely. take care of that completely. <laughs> yeah. So that's why we, we say to go there. I do think also this helps address the donut hole issue is what they're covering too, which is why right. many seniors have yeah. these supplemental. Yeah, that's Medicare Part D, yeah. yeah. Right, right. And, and that's the supplemental uh, program. My mother just went on to Medicaid. She's 90 uh, and, and lasted pretty well where she could and it's at the point now where she finally went there. And, and one of the things that she couldn't understand at first was, that she didn't have to deal with that plan anymore because that was helping address the donut hole. And we're like, no, you're covered now because Medicaid covers that. You don't have to play the game that you've had to, which is, again, just one more argument in that line that we had in the very beginning of the program about the savings by having a Medicare for all system. If you don't have a program like that at all, uh, think of the savings that you're going to have, again, to that both that consumer and to the system in general. Yeah, amen. Doug in Dallas, Oregon, you're on the air with uh, Congressman Pocan. Hey, good morning, gentlemen. Hey, um, Congressman. Um, you know, the the talking point of the Republicans on uh, health care is always, well, you can't keep your doctor. Well, you know what? It's the insurance companies that is not letting me keep my doctor. If, you, if I'm out of network, they're not going to pay nothing. So it's not me controlling who I get to go see. It's the insurance companies that are getting this, you know, deciding who I get to see, what specialists I get to see, and stuff like that. So these people that sit there and say, well, you're going to lose your, your doctor if you go to Medicare, well, no, because, you know, the insurance company right now is already regulating that crap on me, you know, and it's like, you know, and it's, I, I don't get it, you know, these okay. people. That Andy, let's get, like let's that. get Congressman Pocan's response. Your point's well okay, yeah, Andy, I hear you. In fact, I, I think uh, one of the things that people didn't explain, the ones who say you should be able to keep your plan right now, is they're more likely to lose their doctor through a change in a plan and the network than if you have Medicare for all and every physician is paid via the Medicare system, all physicians are covered, you would have your choice. So it really is just the opposite, right? So when I watched some of that debate last night, especially that first part, uh, it was a little infuriating because I think some people are trying to play this clever game of people want choice because it test poll tested well. But the reality is, as you said, those people are more likely to lose their doctor if you have a Medicare for All system. I had someone uh, come into my office and try to spin this from the industry. And I'm like, no, because everyone then would be covered by Medicare. Therefore, that is the paying source to physicians. You could go wherever you wanted. And they, they really don't have an answer. They want you to believe rhetoric and polling rather than facts and reality. Yeah, there would be nobody out of network because there would be no network. <laughs> the entire exactly. nation would be the network. It's so simple, right? Yeah. yeah. Chris, in Madison, Wisconsin, listening to WRRD, you're on the air with Congressman Pokian. The pushback that Pete Buttigieg and what we call the centrists, I would call them the corporate Democrats, use against Bernie and, and Elizabeth Warren about Medicare for All, the most common one is this. Well, we don't want to do this because we want to give people choice because they want to, a lot of people want to keep their, their, their current employer-based health care, right? Well, use me as a, as a specific example. My name is Will. Please take away my United Health Care. Please. Very much so. I beg you to take <laughs> it away. 
Honestly, yeah. I'm being sincere here. Not a joke. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, you bring up a great point, right? I mean, many people have very high-deductible plans that are still very expensive. and um, well, you know, Even the great to the plans, rising... they screw you every chance they get. Well, yeah, and <laughs> because of the rising cost of prescription drugs, which we still have yet to address, because of uh, people not having coverage going to emergency, you look at a number of factors why health uh, care goes up faster and everything else in the economy, um, their argument is based on polling. They've got people saying, you know, oh, I want to keep my doctor, right? I, I want choice because choice sounds good. But they're not giving you what the real choice is. And I, I find it, you know, uh, rather discerning that when people put that out there and they're smarter than the information they're putting out there, uh, that makes me worry about what else I may not be able to trust them on in the future. Yeah. Um, because it is done... Um, simply for, for low-level political calculation. And uh, that's why I respect when people like Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren then defend it. Uh, you know, I think we need to give them some extra cover on this as well because we do need to get more of the, what we've talked about in this program, the dollars and cents difference to families, because I think if they have that information shared, they will go back to the people who are criticizing it and say, why did you bother lying to me about this? Yeah. And uh, we need to add that to the debate. So what should we be expecting this week, Congressman? You know, every week that we're going to be in session now, things are going to be moving fast. Democrats are going to be dropping a prescription drug bill. Let's hope it's a good, strong one. If not, let's make it a good, strong one. But we've got a lot to get done between now and December. We're going to need everyone keeping very active and contacting their elected officials. There you go. Congressman Mark Pocan, thanks so much for being with us today. Yep, of course. Thank you, Tom. Good talking with you. You know, I think most of us don't like the idea of uh, surgery and the knife and all that kind of stuff, and especially just to look better. I mean, you know, it's just, uh, if you're not in Hollywood, you don't need it, and even probably if you are, you don't need it. Um, but there are products that can, you know, clean up the crow's feet and the, and the under-eye bags and stuff like that, and I'm talking about Plexiderm. It's derived from shale rock. It visibly reduces your under-eye bags, wrinkles, and crow's feet in minutes. No knives, no needles, only naturally derived ingredients. I tried it out, and sure enough, it makes me look younger. The best part is Plexiderm goes on clear, so no one will know you're using it unless you tell them like I just did. And the effects last for hours. Go to TryPlexiderm.com and use my code TOM, T-H-O-M, for 50% off, plus an additional 10 bucks off. That's right, 50% off, plus an extra $10 off. Plexiderm is backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. Don't be the victim of your skin any longer. Visit TryPlexiderm.com and use the code TOM, T-H-O-M, at checkout. That's TryPlexiderm.com or call 800-685-1292. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Our book today in the Tom Hartman Book Club is uh, Robin Feldman's book, Drugs, Money, and Secret Handshakes, The Unstoppable Growth of Prescription Drug Prices from Oxford University Press. This is from the introduction. Everyone has a limit. Every budget has an endpoint. Although sellers would love to raise prices continually, it doesn't take fancy economics to know that at some point the money runs out. Why isn't that basic principle working as expected in the pharmaceutical industry? Instead, drug prices are rising continually and reaching astronomical levels with no end in sight. In May 2018, analysts reported that a company is contemplating a $1.5 million price tag for new hemophilia cure. The current hemophilia therapies already cost an astounding $580,000 to $800,000 a year. Along the same lines, Spark Therapeutics' cure for a rare form of blindness will cost $850,000. Even outside the eye-popping headlines, prescription drug prices across the board have risen to an alarming and puzzling level. 
A government inspector general's report found that the high cost of brand medications for common conditions like diabetes, high cholesterol, and asthma were the true problem for patients on Medicare. In fact, pharmaceutical companies have raised the prices most sharply for commonly used medications such as these. This book presents for the first time a full picture of the perverse profit-taking incentive structures within the industry. The book demonstrates the way in which encouraging consumers to use drugs with higher prices operates in the interests of so many players, including doctors, clinics, hospitals, PBMs, brand drug companies, health plans, patient assistance programs, and patient advocacy programs. And then it continues from there. Drugs, Money, and Secret Handshakes by Robin Feldman. Mary in Ventura, California. Hey, Mary, what's on your mind today? My topic was uh, Medicare for All, and there's a case for Medicare for All and also for kind of part of the funding of it that I don't hear anybody making, Mm -hmm. and that is that industry produces these products, which many years later may be found to be a health problem, and it doesn't even have to imply that it was intentional. It's just that it takes a long time for the effects to be made known, like Teflon, talcum powder, asbestos, the trans fats, the Roundup, and now there's the microplastics that we're finding inside of everybody's body. And that the, so that's kind of the demand side of Medicare for All, that because the industry is creating the demand for it, that they should be contributing to the payment of the health benefits for everyone mm. who is exposed to these hazards without their any any culpability on the person who's exposed fault. And then on the other side of it, now that we have this whole digital revolution and are realizing that our data is something of value, that like what you had in the story of the immortal cells of Henrietta Lacks, that a lot of just ordinary, the data of ordinary people contributes to the advancement of medical science. But so on the supply side, the the regular people who would have a very hard time making their cases individuals for what is their personal contribution to the advancement of medical science and also have, would have a hard time making the case is what is their personal suffering from ill effects of a product that's in production. Right. Therefore, we should have a system of Medicare for all that brings all these risks and benefits into one system, and that would be better for everyone for the health of the general population and for the advancement of medical science, which benefits everyone. Yeah, I absolutely agree, Mary. And, you know, I mentioned earlier that, you know, workman's comp would no longer be necessary. Medicaid would no longer be necessary. There's this whole spectrum of areas where people are not getting the coverage that they need. There are these holes that Republicans have drilled into Medicare already with, uh, you know, the so-called Medicare Advantage and the and Medicare, the 20 percent that you have to have private insurance for. All of this needs to be cleaned up and we need to have a very simple, straightforward, single payer health care system that covers everything in your body, covers your mind, covers your eyes, covers your teeth. It's very straightforward. Mary, you made a great argument for it. Thank you very much for calling. Thanks for listening. Michael watching Free Speech TV in Denver, Colorado. Hey, Michael, what's up? 
I just wanted to make a couple of comments here about our health care system as opposed to a socialized or, you know, some kind of form of socialized medicine. Years and years ago, back in the 70s and 80s, I was a federal government employee. I'm not going to go into it. I was military. But mm-hmm. just in general, uh, I was in Europe, and I was doing some, some work over there because of the training that I'd gotten. And um, I was linked to a uh, unit from the uh, uh, Royal Norwegian Navy. Mm-hmm. Uh, spent time in Norway. They have a socialized medical and educational system there. I went through a few episodes, actually, and one also in Italy, uh, and I wouldn't call them, you know, at the top of the rock in terms of socialized medicine. Mm. But, Tom, I was taken care of extremely well, extremely, extremely well. We have the technology and the, you know, these mega hospitals and all that. You don't see that in Norway, um, generally speaking. Um, In terms of hygiene, I could not believe how uh, well-ordered and clean their their hospitals and their clinics were. Uh, Their employees, the first and foremost thing was to take care of the patient and have compassion. They had traveling doctors and nurses. We have traveling nurses here, but we really don't have traveling doctors anymore. And I didn't pay one cent. And in Italy, when I went to get pain medication for an abscessed tooth that they extracted, cost me nothing to have it extracted, cost me a dollar and thirty-seven cents American money to buy the pain painkiller through the the uh, established uh, clinical pharmacy that they had attached to the hospital. That Amazing. I went. So in Italy, they even have free dental. They, uh, you know, and this was in the 70s, so I didn't know anything about this. They just said, no, don't worry about it. That's yeah. fine. Go yeah. home with your Medicaid. Yeah, we Why? had that experience in Germany. I mean, we lived in Germany from 86 to 87, and, you know, for a year, yeah. the summer of each year. And, yeah, uh, you know, one of our kids, uh, you know, we took him to the doctor, and, you know, after it was all done, I was like, what do I owe you? And she's like, we don't even have a cash register here. You know, we, we're not cape, but we don't have we don't have any billing capacity at all. We, you don't owe us anything. Right. And time, last, last thing, mm-hmm. just in general, um, what what you know? I had people cynically say, "Well, how many people live in Norway and Sweden and Italy? Mm-hmm. Look at us. We're a mega gigantic country and stuff." I remind them that in uh, you know, I don't believe that communism ever existed on this planet, but they want to call it a communist system in Red China. They get better health care in Red China there at their at their public clinics, I'm sure, than we, we have here. And I've not been to China. I've, I've had people that have traveled there and say, no, it's really not as bad as, you know, we would want to make it. So yeah. uh, not to defend the Red Chinese or anything, but that's all I want to say. And, and keep hammering that. And I wish we would look at, at the Scandinavian model and the more progressive European models to say, you know, this is the way we should be going. So thanks very much for everything you're doing. Uh, Tom, I, I really enjoy it. Thank you, Michael, and thanks for sharing your story, your perspective. I, I think those kind of stories have a lot more credibility when somebody can say, you know, well, this was my experience. Michael, thank you very much for the call. John in Boyne, Michigan. Hey, John. I want to make a statement. You know, this is public information, and it's how I arrived at this, but we don't quantify our arguments, and that would eliminate a lot of the political discussion and all the politics and all the divisiveness. And I'm going to use health care as an example. The United States taxpayers could save $15 trillion if we had a national single-payer health care system. And I know this because we got 320 million people 
and we spend about $11,000 per capita. Um, the second highest spending country. Um, 15 trillion over a decade. About a trillion and a half dollars a year. Because we're spending about $3 trillion a year right now in healthcare, and about well, and we spend well, twice as much as Canada does. And we, get, and we have worse outcomes. We have the worst outcomes in the industrialized world. That's correct. The second highest spending country spends about six thousand per capita. We spend eleven thousand. That's correct. Five thousand dollar difference. That's right. Five thousand dollars times and I'm rounding it off to three hundred million people times ten years is fifteen trillion dollars. Yeah, exactly. No, I completely dollars. agree with your numbers, John. And in fact, when right. the Koch brothers ran the numbers, this is what they came up with. They tried to spin it like it wasn't, but that's exactly what they came up with. Or, or damn close yeah. to it. So, so your yeah. argument is just that we need to start talking about we can save a trillion and a half dollars a year with with uh, with a national health care system that you know is patterned after. Take your choice of any of the thirty or forty of them out there. Yeah, but it's a no-brainer when you read. I don't care if you're an independent Republican or a Democrat. Right. You go to any individual and say you can save fifteen trillion dollars every ten years, every decade. Our national debt's about twenty-two trillion for Christ's sakes. Just one change in our national health care program would almost eliminate the national debt. I don't know anyone that wouldn't buy it. Yeah, and I agree. Problem, and, and, the, and the savings would be in, inured to the individual voters as well. I'm with you. Anyhow, Alex in Edison, New Jersey. Hey, Alex, what's on your mind today? Hi, Tom. Like to, can I disagree with you about something? Sure. You seem to like the idea of Bernie Sanders allowing unions and maybe other groups to keep their existing health insurance? Yes, I think it's a I don't think any of them are going to keep their existing health insurance for more than a year or two until they figure out what's going on and how much it costs. And B, it eliminates the ability of corporate Democrats and Republicans to say to to, to union members in particular, but more because they tend to have better health care plans because they negotiate them to say to people with good health insurance plans, uh, he wants to take away your health insurance. And now he can say, no, you can keep your health insurance if you want. But, you know, everybody else is going to get something better than you've got, and you're all, always going to be eligible for it. I think politically that's dynamite. So I agree with your political point, but as a practical matter, don't you suppose that the industry will pluck the healthy workers from the workforce and then let the government or the sucker taxpayer in this case pay for all the sick people that's my question when you when you buy when a company or a union buys a group plan everybody's in or everybody's out the insurance company doesn't have the choice of doing that and also when the insurance pool shrinks which it'll do you know once everybody else is covered by medicare the insurance pool that is being insured by the these private for-profit insurers is going to shrink which is going to raise their costs and so their insurance rates are going to go up even more, and they're going to get more unaffordable really quickly. So this is how you kill off private health insurance without banning it legally. And, and, and practically speaking, if you can't get this done politically, it doesn't get done. So it doesn't matter how the health insurance companies respond. If you don't pass something that, that gets, you know, everybody in the country has access to Medicare, then you got nothing anyway. So that, that's my take on it. Alex, thanks for the call. We'll be back with more of the news and more of my thoughts and yours in this uh, kind of national town hall meeting we have here every day on the Tom Hartman program. And in the meantime, don't forget democracy is not a spectator sport. Never was intended to be. It requires you. So get out there, get active, tag, you're it. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.